Welcome to Cheer Report, the podcast that gives you a fan's voice on all things going on with Thursday Sharks and the Barracuda. As always, everything said in this podcast is 100% my own personal opinions and is not affiliated with either team or the respective leagues. And now it's time for a brand new edition of Cheer Report, the podcast made by a fan for the fans. Welcome to the fourth episode of Tier Report Season 4, where we're going to be looking back on the month of November, which has, oh my, has it been quite a rocky month. There's been some good bits, been some bad bits, a bit of downright ugly bits. Um, but here at Tier Report, we are here to cover it, it all. Um, <laughs> oh my, what has been, what was that word? Charcuterie? Was that the word? Or how to pronounce it? Because uh, it's, it's been a bit of a blend of sh- the roster. It's, it's had that blend of sharks and cooter players. Um, yeah. I, let's just touch that real, real, real quickly before we get started um, on today's show. I, I just want to say how proud I am of my teams. So both the sharks and the barracuda for basically having to get on with it, you know, because obviously the, the, the situation we were in was not great, you know, we had seven players out of the lineup plus the head coach, you know, uh, we weren't given a shutdown by the league, um, despite uh, the Stairsers and the Islanders um, getting shutdowns, clearly our situation was probably was not enough to warrant a shutdown by the league. The Senators, oh, theirs was a mess. Everyone knows there was a mess. Because the Senators, they started with six. Then it was eight. And then it was ten. And it was only when it got to ten did the lead tell Ottawa, you've got to shut down. So everyone knows how dire the Senators' COVID situation has been. Yeah, I'm not too sure how many were in the Islanders. Um, but apparently it was enough to warrant a shutdown. Um, but yeah. Um, and I think this, just, this, this situation we've been in, just, just, it just shows... The attitude being taken now towards COVID, especially as we now get further and further away from 2020. I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would just love to go back to 2020. I know that's I know I can't I can't just saying this. I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I just I can't believe that. You know it's mad, but but you know back in 2020 we all had you know, an idea that we need to be more careful. And now, ever since pretty much throughout this, this year, so 2021, we've seen attitudes sort of going gradually less and less and less and more to actually of, well, let's do what we believe is right. But there's something I've had that well, I haven't had it in general, the league, it's just... Because <sighs> I'll tell you what, if this had happened last year, so the Sharks' COVID situation that happened this month had happened this last this time last season. There is no way, categorically, there is no way we would have played those games. There's categorically, categorically there would be no way. We would be on that list of teams um, 
that had a shutdown last year. I think I've still got my list of Kobe misdoings from from the National Hockey League from last season. Uh, if you remember, if you watched our season, not much, listened to our season three finale. Well, actually, no, technically, because that was a YouTube segment as well, so technically, you can go watch that segment. But if you listen to the season three finale, it's, the segment's also on my YouTube channel, because I did it as a video segment, and then get both for, for the finale for, for season three. I did a segment where I listed all the wrongdoings the league did during uh, last season. Um, and I was emotionally was taken up with a list of teams that had had shutdowns. And I thought we would have been on that list if this had happened this time last season. Because the league was just so great last season, you know, with with teams that had players in the COVID situation. They, they thought, right, it needs to be, you need to put the lockdown, shut down, close trades and all that. Blah, blah. This season, we're not really seeing that. You know, could we, we are seeing cases left, right, and center that players are being entered the COVID protocol? Or teams like in the case of the Sertas and the Islanders having to have like a temporary uh, shutdown. The Sertas, I think, missed three games. The Islanders missed two. Um, so it was. It's just. But the fact with the Sharks is they just got down. Like, okay, this is the, this is the car. This is the cards we've been dealt with. Okay, this week we're not being given a shutdown of the league. We're not being, we're being told we're going to have to play on. I just love how the Sharks just got down to it and just went, okay, this, these are the cards we've been dealt with. Let's just roll it. And what's been so interesting through this period, because obviously it started on the last day, sorry, the last game of October, which was the overtime victory over Winnipeg. And then it's carried on for at least the first half of, of November. Um, and yet, throughout that period, throughout that period they've, they've just been finding a way to play the game. Because you could, this would have a nasty effect on, on the team and could affect the team's mindset. But no, they just kept finding ways to either win the game or, if it doesn't look like it's going to go away, to keep themselves in the game, to give them a fair chance. Or at least come away with, with something, like a point or something. But, you know... They didn't just basically, with this kind of situation, just peel over, roll over and die. They basically, no, knuckle down, got their heads together, and just worked as a team. And if they can do that during a COVID-19 situation, can you imagine what they could do, they could do, to bear a long stretch, a healthy stretch, and get into the postseason again? It would be brilliant. But, yeah. But I'm just so proud of both my teams, particularly the Barracuda, because they've had more the rougher end. Because uh, we're going to finally Cuda call that they've not had a too much. Not they had a great month, had they, the Barracuda? Um, and for them, it's not going to get any easier. Because um, obviously, with the Barracuda, right? They've had to have some of their players call to the Sharks. They need to go and get some players for their to fill up their squad as well. So it's, it's been massive. It's been a massive impact. I'm not sure the league has realised that, the HR has realised that, the impact you've had on us has affected our HR affiliates. And we in turn say, we're lucky, we're very, very, very lucky that our, our HR affiliate is literally in the same city as us. Now, of course, obviously, this is the Barracuda's final season at SAP Centre. So, obviously, next year they go to their own arena. But it's not like it's going to be miles and miles away. It's still going to be in downtown San Jose. So, from next year, they're still going to be in San Jose. Um, it's just a hard to call home. Um, and we're, we're very, very, very lucky. We're very lucky. Because can you imagine if some of the other teams who got their HFs far out, like, for example, 
Carolina, whose AHL affiliation is with Chicago, the Chicago Wolves, or the St. Louis Blues, who have their affiliation with the Springfield Thunderbirds. Can you imagine if one of those two teams had to go through what we would go have gone through? It would not work. You would have to shut down Carolina. You'd have to shut down St. Louis because it would, would never be no way you could fly somebody up from Springfield or Chicago into Carolina St. Louis to, to, to you know to fill a spot of squash. It would not work. So. We're very lucky. We're very, we are very, very, very lucky in San Jose. We've got our affiliate, ADHL, not too far from the parent club. But, but yeah. So, I, that's, that's all I said. I wanted to start the show off very quickly by just saying how proud I am of both my teams for the way they've handled this. And hopefully, you need to pray to all the gods, not just the hockey ones, but all the gods, you need to just pray that the Sharks do not have to find themselves in um, a situation like this again. Um, but, if they were to somehow find themselves in this situation again, because remember the pandemic is far from over, if they were to somehow find themselves in this situation again, I think I'd have more confidence that they can cope with it, they can deal with it, because they have done it in this, what was it, how many games potentially, was it six or seven stretch? More than that? Do you want to take? But, just need to pray that this doesn't happen again. But I just want to say how proud I am of both my Sharks and my Cuda for getting through what's been a very difficult stretch. Speaking of our teams, let's begin to look back on how they did in November. We'll be right back in just a few moments. Okay, so we're picking our lookbacks. Um, oh, what was quite a deadly game of cat and mouse, you know, on November the 2nd when we host the Buffalo Sabres in a 5-3 win. Um, the Sharks, they were the more, I think, the more determined. I'd have to say the two teams with plenty of breakaways. You know, getting a lot of traffic into the net, uh, into the Sabres net, uh, which also included the first NHL goal for Ryan Merkley. So, whoop, whoop, whoop. I also had two goal night for Tomar Turtle. As some of the highlights of the night, I think they were. Although, here's a little um, tip for the Sharks going forward. Uh, not just for this season, but in seasons to come. When you are going to be on a delay penalty, okay, so I'll just explain for the viewers who aren't aware of that. Um, sometimes a penalty, it, it, you, there's a little bit of delay when a penalty gets called. Sometimes a penalty won't get called straight away. It'll be a like, little teeny delay, and that means the teeny that's going to be on the power play can pull the net mark for the extra attacker, uh, which can result in a goal, and then obviously that counts on the power play. Um, so if you're the teeny that's going to be taking the offending penalty, don't allow your opponent so much time on delay penalty, because that is what gave the Sabres a goal, you know. I think for me, that that goal, I think I would be less mad about it if it was a pub, if it was conceded on a penalty, rather than it being on delay penalty. Because it was on a penalty, well, fair enough, you couldn't really do much about it. But on the late penalty, well, you kind of had an opportunity to stop that. Because all you had to do was just touch the puck, and then that would have been it. We would have gone on the penalty. And, okay, but, anyway. but yeah, so just that in the future, don't allow your opponents so much time in an opportunity like that on the late penalty. Okay, so, having won 5 3, we then lose 5 3 to, I think, the, well, the top contenders for the West this year. St. Louis Blues came into town on November the 4th. You know, what about West Division opponents from last year? 
And it was kind of a wild ninth tank, you know, it kind of felt like a tennis match, you know, with you score one, I'll score one, uh, you get a short-handed goal, I'll get a short-handed goal, you know, it was a bit, a bit, a bit of Wimbledon going on here on ice, you know, that's kind of what, um, what it was, the team, both sides trained leads in this game, both sides had short-handed goals, and I think both sides had opportunities to win the game. And what with St. Louis throwing their weight around and mouthing off at the officials, which, by the way, is a penalty, by the way. It's called um, unsportsmanlike conduct. That is a penalty, and you can be called for it, which the Blues did. Uh, they had a real frustrating night in LA the previous night. Um, and for me, you know, this really should have been the Sharks who's going away in victory, as I feel everyone on the team was really pulling together. Except for Aiden Hill, who suffered a big cost of collapse in that second period, and that really cost us Didier, which was no way getting back. Uh, but I just felt, up until the, what happened in that game, I thought we were doing so well. I thought we had opportunities to maybe come at least with a point, but uh, nevertheless. Speaking of games where you come away with just a point, on the seven, on November the 6th, it was our first visit in quite a while from the New Jersey Devils. Um, and uh, this, right, this one, I'll give you the score. It was 3 2 Devils, the shutout. This gives me a bit, uh, for me, this is a bit of pill to swallow. Um, the Sharks did so many good things with Rudolph's Bolsters and Jonathan Darling, continuing to have what I think are great seasons. James Ryan was good in net. And when you look at the two regulation goals the Devils got, I don't think he could have stopped either of them. I really don't think he could have stopped either of them. Um, obviously that first shot by the Devils in the shutout, that should not have counted because he did get a bit of it, but it wasn't enough to stop the rebound from going in. Um, I felt like he was quite good in that as well. Um, I think the problem here, uh, the downfall, he has to ask me to try and put, pick one thing. I think it was similar to what happened against the Blues the previous game in that we were not able to build a cushion. So I got a two-goal lead, three-goal lead. So, so some insurance, which I call it insurance, um, so that if the po your your opponent does try to make a push and said he were to get one on the board, well, you've still got a little bit of breathing space because you've got a two-goal lead or one-goal. It's you know what I mean. I just felt that was has been our downfall the last two games. We were not able to to build on our one-goal lead because a one-goal lead is never going to be enough in hockey. It never is. We just couldn't do that enough. I think that, for me, with those two games, that is where has been our downfall. Difference here is we did come away with a point in this one, but it's got nothing in the one. Okay, time now for the Sharks to begin another five-game road trip. Where they going to have a nice, lengthy homestand? Because the road trips have been gruelling so well this year. They've been stretched stretch to five, and this was another five against, I think... I think at least four potential contenders from the West. I know our commentary team did add Minnesota as a fit, but I think Minnesota did it. Mm. Playoff contender, yes. I'll give Minnesota that, because Minnesota does always challenge for a playoff spot. It's just when they get into the playoffs, they don't really do much about it. So, all five in this road trip. Um, no, and obviously, with the way my, I've had to split the games up, the last one on the red spot, we're going to be talking about the second half of the, sh of the show, not the first half. Oh, oh dear. Oh. 
Well, that's why I actually play odd number games. It makes it hard for me to try and split them evenly. But, um, yeah. Um, we faced four, five potential... No, sorry. Let me get my bones right. Five definite playoff contenders for the West. Four potential cup contenders in Calgary, Winnipeg, St. Louis and Colorado. I know you're thinking, Winnipeg? I'm, I'm putting Winnipeg in? No, trust me. Winnipeg definitely are. Um, but all five of this road trip were definitely playoff contenders. So, I think... And also, given the fact we were still going through obviously, the COVID situation, basically, it's take what you can get, really. I think this road trip, it, it simply was just take what you can get because these are five tough opponents to have to play going forward. So, we'll kick the first one off because on November the 9th, it was a big, big night because it was the Sharks' first matchup. In the Pacific Division! Hey, I know that's something that Brody Brazil's been banging all about. <laughs> if you ever watch them his night shifts on YouTube, he's always back, he's, he's been banging on about how, oh, the Sharks haven't played Division in Poland until so-and-so-and-so, and then they don't get to play for it again until so-and-so-and-so. So, Brody, if you're listening, hope you're glad, because you've now got a Division matchup ticked off. There you go. Nice to tick that one off. <laughs> but um, I actually haven't really minded not seeing most of the division, you know. Um, but no, I think it's great to just get games uh, against teams you don't really see it often. Throwing the mix kind of nice and early, you know, because the test, because the tough test will be your division matchups. So I think really they should be saved more later in the year and the beginning of the year should really be focused about getting through teams that you don't really get to see as often. Um, and plus, for a lot of these teams, we haven't even seen them in well over two years, especially the Easter ones, because obviously last year, year we were all, um, you know, put into bubble divisions, should we call it, we call it that? Tem I don't want to use the word temporary alignment, because it wasn't really a, an alignment, it was more like a bubble scenario. So yeah, so we we're kind of like in bubble divisions last, last year. So I think it's kind of nice to get to see all these teams we haven't seen in quite a while, for some quite a very long while. You've got to go all the way back to the beginning of the 1920s season for quite a lot of these teams. So yeah, so I think it's kind of... So yeah, for me, I'm kind of a sort of person when it comes to skating motion. I don't mind if I don't see anybody from my division until quite later in the year, because I think that's probably the best of time to go up against them, rather than at the beginning of the year. Um, but I know it was a bit Brody was banging on quite a fair bit how, oh, we, we didn't, our first match against the division was not until November the 9th, the next one's not until November the 7th, it's against the same team, but, yeah. And in fact, for all those of you who are kind on Brody's wavelength, by the time we get to January, we will have seen everybody in the division except for Vegas and LA. Because in December, we will have seen Calgary again, we'll have seen Calgary twice now now we'll also host Edmonton we're also going to be hosting Vancouver I think Vancouver are our last two games for no not I think they're the last two home games for the break Christmas break and then or is it um, no we'll have seen Vancouver we'll also have had our first ever ever home game against the Kraken and we'll also by the end of the, by the time we get to down we'll have played um 
one matchup against the Ducks, and I really am looking forward to... I always look forward to seeing the Ducks, but I'm really looking forward to them this year, because I think they have finally done what I want us to do, and that is to turn the corner. Now, they've gone through... The Ducks have gone through quite a rough patch. They've been through a rebuild for the last couple of years, and now they're in a position where they can push, and that ultimately is where I want the Sharks to be. They've got... They've had the rough patch. They're currently in the middle of the rebuild, and then... When they are out of the rebuild, they've sorted all the pieces together, they need to push. Yeah. So, for those of you who sort of are on Brody's Razor, I get it. You'd like to see more division opponents. But by the time we get to January, we'll have seen everybody in the division except for LA and Vegas. Those two clubs we don't see till towards the end of the year. In fact, we don't see the Kings or the Golden Knights before the Olympic break. Because um, I think LA's March, LA's going to be doing the Paralympics. And I don't know if Vegas is end of March or beginning of April. I don't know. I can't remember the top of the head, but, but those two teams we don't see till way after the Olympics. So you've got to wait till the gen before you see LA or Vegas. But I won't put it out because I don't really mind not seeing the British Poets quite early on. But some people were. But for those people, I just want to make it clear, by the time we get to January, you'll have seen everybody except for Vegas and LA. So, yeah. Okay, but let's see how the Chucks did in their first special match of the year. And, oh, wow. Calgary has been a, quite a big surprise this year. They haven't really... I don't think they were a team that expected to come out of the gates. I did, because I remember, cause remember in my... Pre the preseason show, I did predict that Calgary could be one of those teams that could, you know, regain sort of that balance, be in the mix for the balance of power, you know, to in the power vacuum of the division. So I called it. Um, now, also, <sighs> Calgary players, can I just say this? I know I'm going to get slack from my first Sharks buns, but I'll take it. I love your jerseys. Yeah, I'll let that st stunned silence settle in. But Calgary fans, I think your home and road jerseys are absolutely stunning. I love them. And if, and if, and if I was a Calgary Flames fan, I would have both of them in my wardrobe. Right, a second. Right, let's talk about the matchup. Should I win for the Sharks? Oh, despite taking four nothing win over the Flames, and despite taking so many penalties in that game, the Sharks they just didn't slip once on the pair on the pair pair decal, which is such important to do. Um and Ian Hill he put on quite a press display. For me, I haven't really even been impressed him so far, but that's because he's not really had many starts. And again, that's not our fault. It's the fact that we acquired him from a team that hasn't really been able to give him the starts he's wanted because he was in cap because he used to be in Arizona. And Arizona already had a tandem in play, and so Eden Hill, when he was in Arizona, only really got a call when the tandem was badly injured. So that's not our fault, or even his fault, that he's not had much chance to wet his feet in the in the market yet. It's just he needs to give him more starts, but he also needs to bear himself the same time more. But he put on a precious play here in Calgary. In, I think what sh in you know it was just impressive. What short performance, no? Um, cause yeah, 4-0 win. Well, 
I don't know there's no cowpea gold. No, I didn't see a flames gold. No, 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 no. No. No flames gold. There was no cowpea flames gold. What a draw. What are you talking about? It was 4 nothing. We won 4 nil. Oh, but since I'm dishing out pieces of ice here, cowpea flames. If you're going to try and do a pile in the net, don't think you're going to go with that all year round. Because I have seen quite a few type, um, highlights from Crack Flames games where they have rumbled their team onto the net and, 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 yeah, and it's called, got the goal in. But that's a real dirty way to get the goal in the net because the, the netminder can't really be positioned about the save. And really, you could argue that could be a challenge for netminder theory if you not careful. So, a little bit of party there, kind of plays plans. Do the score goals the clean way, not the dirty way. But, no, I didn't see a Flames con that game. I saw lots of Flames jerseys, but I didn't see any Flames goals. No, I didn't see any. I bet if there are some Calgary Flames versus now that he... We did get more of the book. We did get more. Yeah, well, it was a dirty one, Calgary, and therefore this is my show, so therefore it's my rules. Right, let's move on. So I have faced a real, real tough test for the Pacific, and I think potentially, I'm going to call it, I think a favourite to win the division. Because the players can do it. They mean a lot. I mean, they are, I mean, they were the reigning division champions in, in going to the 1920 season. Um, so they can do it. So I will tip Cowboys a possibility to win the division. And uh, so a potential division champ to a potential con playoff contender. Remember the 11th. The Sharks fell 4-1 to the Jets. Or was it the Rangers? I could not tell with those ultimate jerseys. I mean... Can we just talk about that for a quick second? I mean, the Jets have now this year, they've now gone to a more... I don't know, a more... More? What's the right word? Something more suitable for Winnipeg. I mean, those purple ones... Or were they lilac? Either way, I remember when I saw those lilac ones, I thought, have Winnipeg played in lilac before? Have they ever played in purple before? It just felt a bit. I mean, I did love the, the jet word mark on it. I thought that was nice. Um, you know, it gives me sort of major league baseball vibes. Um, but, um, yeah, I just didn't get those. I didn't get, why is it lilac? You know, I just didn't get that. What's that's got the Winnipeg? And these ones, well, yeah, they've got the uh, the old Jets logo on, which I'm always a bit like, because mm, really, you shouldn't have that, but they go, no, no, let's not get started, because obviously we've made certain dance on our backs. Um, I think the colour scheme's all wrong. The colour scheme, the also, I mean, the also jerseys for Winnipeg, they were great, but the colour scheme's just wrong. It's more Rangers than Winnipeg. In fact, when I saw these jerseys on the on um during the game, I thought it reminded me of the Rangers reverse retro jersey. So all you need to do is put that Statue of Liberty jersey on. Sorry, the Statue of Liberty logo on instead of the Jets logo, and it would look like the Rangers reverse retros. Problem that's it. Um, but hey, I can't really talk about fashion choices, can I? Right, we're here to talk about games. So a bad loss for one. And despite Andrew Coglino getting the opening goal, the Sharks have done that a lot this month. 
get the first goal of the game. But can't seem to find a way to get the points in the bag. That's been quite a bit of a trend this month. It really has. Um, so yeah, so you got the first goal game there. And you know, it did look like they were, they were running on. But after that goal, sorry, after that goal, it did look like the Sharks. They looked like they were sort of running on fumes. Um, and I don't know if the, the COVID situation and the fact they had to travel into Winnipeg to different time zones, I don't know if that was starting to catch up on them. Um, you know, as well, the Jets got controlled game and a manageable, they, and a manageable lead. They took full control and they basically just never looked back. And we just couldn't make the, you know, the most of our chances, especially when it came to drawing a power play. I mean, oh my God. That's no talk about this month. The officials have really not liked us. I've seen quite a few calls that I think have been missed. But I think that should have been a penalty. That should have been a penalty. That was definitely a penalty. They've just not been called. I don't know what the Sharks can do right now to get a penalty. What do you want? Blood? Not even that probably wouldn't work. I just don't know what the Sharks can do right to get a penalty. Because we want this power play to improve. We want the power play to improve. You know, it's been two seasons now where we've been in Australian power play. We want to improve it. And how can we improve it if we can't get a call on the ice? That is the thing here. Anyway, so that was the last game in the COVID situation. We did get word that the play, all seven players and Rob Boone, the coach, who've been in the protocol, were going to come out of the protocol in time for the game on Colorado. Now, I think if you had to pick a game in this road trip where all those players could come back, this probably was not the one to do it. I mean, Colorado, as we all know, every every year, it's kind of like, like the the, equi- the West equivalent of Tampa Bay, you know, who everybody on com always picks to win the cup. I know, I don't get it. And based on what I've seen so far from Colorado at the start of this season, I don't get it either. They've not had a good start, Colorado. Um, you know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so the Sharks really need to capitalise on that. But, you know. Now. Oh, did I mention the scoreline from the previous game? It's 4 1 Jets. I don't know if I had. That's just my. Just case I haven't already done that. Um, right, so remember the 13th in Colorado. Everybody who's, who's been on the, in the protocols now back out of the protocol. Um, now, if this had been like a 2-1 loss, so if, it, so if it had stayed 2-1 for the majority of the game and I've then got like an NTS to make it 3-1, I wouldn't be as critical as, as I'm about to be. But because it was the way it was, I have to be critical. I cannot hold back on this show. Okay, you know me. We're in, we're, in four, we're in our fourth season now. You know me. I do not work for the Sharks. I'm not a fan of the Sharks. I live on the other side of the pond. I'm a fan. Giving a fan's opinion so I can voice my say. Um, I just did not like how he played in this 6-2 loss at all. And I can't believe I'm about to say this. But I kind of feel... And I did say it towards the closing stage of the game. I can't believe I'm about to repeat what, I'm about to, what I said. I kind of feel we got exactly what we deserved. I know. And I never like having to say that to my Sharks. Because I always feel the Sharks always play to the final buzzer. But just not in this one. Um, as we, we lacked communication. That was clear to see on the ice. 
with a few bad turnovers and we shot ourselves in the foot by giving away very sloppy penalties. You know, like puck over the glass, two him out on the ice. We all know how brilliant Colorado are at drawing penalties. You do they do not need someone else doing their job for them. Especially when it's a silly penalty like that. Um but yeah. Now obviously they need this is what a lot of teams went through last year when they had COVID shut down. The first game was always a hard one, but this was a lot more harder than you give it credit for. And I think if it'd been like two one majority again and Carl got his net out, I probably wouldn't have been as critical. But because we even gave him a freebie at the end, Bob Booth pulled I think I can't remember who it was in net, but he pulled a net mine there when it was about what, five five two? The game was nowhere near becoming reachable coming back. And he gave him a freebie, honestly. So from one of our worst games to one of our best games, on November 16, the Sharks beat Minnesota 4-1. Now I said in the middle of this game that the team needs to be much more better. Oh my, did they deliver. The Sharks, they play with more pace. as They had to tuck up with a Minnesota club who tried, really tried throwing their way around here. I mean, don't know what was up with Minnesota. They just had it in for us, you know, they just kept having a go at us. And like, it's like, as far as I was thinking, have we touched a nerve? Because I've always said how Minnesota, their tricky clubs sort of work out. And being in a division with them last year didn't really help me even to work out what sort of club they are. So I was thinking, first day I was thinking, have we touched a nerve here with Minnesota? Or are they thinking they are bigger than they are? Because they're not. Um, yeah. But I just felt the Sharks they played such better and they really rose up to me instead of they're trying to throw their weight at us. Um, and I don't know what it is about XR Energy Centre, but there's something about that place that sees the Sharks produce beautiful goals. They always are beauties. And this time they came from Mario Ferraro, Timo Meyer, Eric Carlson, <gasps> and Tomas Hurtle. Just a shame it wasn't a shutout for James Reimer. That would have been brilliant. I felt. Hill and Ryder each had one game this first half of the look back where really they should have got a shutout win, but didn't. Okay, but yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so that's the so yeah, so it's kind of weird the split I've had to do for the show because the last game on the road trip is going to be the second half of the show. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, well, that works, isn't it? He tries to split it evenly as he has a can. Um, it's oh, I know. So yeah, so we'll talk about the last game on the road trip um, in the second half of the show. But now, let's take a pause as we get ready to, to for Kuda Corner and a very, very eventful Westwatch. There's been quite a few, oh, there's been quite a few teams that produces quite some quality newsworthy topics that you're going to be in stitches for. Trust me, I know I am. Okay, let's pause for a, for a quick break and we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The West Watch on the Chill Podcast. Tonight's headlines. Vegas Ings Eichel. Chicago Fires Colton. And L.A. is going to the Krypton Factor. 
Welcome to this month's edition of the West Watch. Tonight's main story: the biggest trade of the of the off season finally now has been resolved. Yes, Jack Eichel is now officially traded. Ooh, a player who I really didn't think was ever gonna leave Buffalo. I have to admit. Um, and of course, this was the big, big talking point throughout the off season. Um, you know. When he requests the trade, we will figure it all. Oh, is he going to get traded? And who is he actually, who is he going to be traded to? Um, and well, we do finally now have the answer. Now, um, before we get to who got him, I will quickly just point out the two finalists. Because, as it so happened, during... Our game against against Buffalo in Saturday, it's November the 3rd, during that game in one intermissions, ESPN reported uh, who were the two finalists. And surprise, surprise, they were both Shark Division rivals. And it was the Calgary Flames and the Vegas Golden Knights. So, I was thinking now, right, out of those two, I think Calgary would have benefited a lot more than Vegas. Both for, it would benefit both the team and it would also benefit the player in question being traded. Because as we all know, Vegas the last few years, they've been acquiring a lot of big assets, um, you know, to try and bolster up their squad. We know what that 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 franchise is like. They are couple bust, which really is actually not viable. It's really not viable. Given them a 10, 15 years, Vegas, you'll learn that that mentality, couple bust, couple bust, is not really viable. You have at all, um, uh, particularly so we know what you can achieve long term. Uh, but over the last few years, Vegas have been acquiring big assets left, right, centre. And as we all know, with big assets comes big book contracts. Um, sorry, big book price tags. Sorry, I meant to say price tags. Contracts too, but alright, five minutes. And with big book price tags comes cap issues. Which of course is what we all know. Vegas is famous for. They had loads of these la last year. And of course, obviously. Because of those cap issues, it meant that obviously during the off-season, as uh, we just had, Vegas had to make a lot of difficult decisions, like base, like mainly having to let go of the face of their franchise, Mark Andre Fleury, who they traded to Chicago. Uh, they put their trust in Robin Leonard, who's basically the up-and-coming star of the league, and could maybe achieve what Fleury's done maybe two or three years down the line. Um... But they had to make that big call because of the cap space. Cap space is a thing, Kraken fans listening in. So just in case you think your team wants to make some big trade moves, right? Cap space, it does exist and it's a nightmare. Trust me, in, uh, we know all about cap space in Teal Town. It's, it's horrible. It really does affect your, mar affect your mind about, and your mentality about how you want to go and try and bolster make some moves that can maybe help your team going forward. It really did it. Oh, that's trades that I think, that I think of that could have happened if the Sharks didn't have some cap space problems 
we'd be in boom business by now. We really would. We'd be we'd be what Tampa is right now. We really would. Um, yeah. And with Vegas, whenever they have acquired a big asset, they don't really get a chance to stand out. I mean, as for Trancho last year, right, Vegas netted him from the Blues. Not only did they then net him, okay, they then inked him up to, I think it was a seven-year deal. I don't think it was eight, I think it was just seven. So, they inked, so the moment they netted him from the Blues, they inked him up. And then what did he do then? We didn't really see much from Petrangelo, we didn't really hear much from Petrangelo than we normally would if it was on the Blues roster. He basically gone quiet. It's like, it's like he was banished from the face of the West Coast, you know? So, that's why I don't think Vegas getting Eichel is going to benefit him. It's going to benefit Vegas, let's be honest. Um, I mean, they do, we all, God knows, they don't need any more big stars than it is. They are firing out that they've got plenty of it is. But, so we know it's going to benefit Vegas. I don't think it's going to benefit Jack Eichel. I don't think it's going to benefit him. So, I mean, we don't know what he's thinking right now. He might be thinking, oh, I'm quite glad. He might, he might be thinking, I'm glad to be going to Vegas, but... I was saying, I don't know, because obviously he's not going to have much success in Buffalo, but let's face it, who has had success in Buffalo the last 10 years? Maybe 13. Maybe Mike, Mike has a shark. Um, so 13 years. No, he has in Buffalo. But I'm not sure if he's going to find something in Vegas. I think he's, he's going to struggle. I think he could end up being like Alex Brangelo. Okay, you net him. Great. You might want to ink him up so he can't then be taken away. He's not going to really do that much. And I think with Cal if he'd gone to Calgary, not only would it, would it have been with Calgary even more, particularly since obviously they're still reading from the, obviously the loss of uh, their captain, March or Dad, obviously to the expansion draft of the Kraken. Um, so, obviously that, so obviously that would have been a big move for them. You know, we've, we've lost a big asset. We now get to bolster up our squad with another big asset that would have worked bringing their, their tactics. And also... A guy like Jack, Jack Eichel could really help us go from being a surprise package to a contender. Because that's what Calgary is about. Calgary is a surprise package. No one expects them to do well. No one expects them to be in top of the division. But if they got Jack Eichel, they could have silenced the doubters and gone, well, here we are. So let me just tell you through the details of the trade. So, Vegas got Jack Eichel. And a draft and a draft pick for the Buffalo Sabres. And in exchange, Buffalo gets from Vegas. I took Payson Krebs and draft picks. Now the situation for these draft picks are listed uh, below. So here we go. Right, here we go. This is gonna be a mouthful. So if Vegas' first round draft pick in next in this year's draft, so the one will be held in Montreal at the end of the season, so 2022. If their first round pick in the 2022 NHL draft is not a top 10 pick following the draft lottery results, then this is what happened before will happen. Vegas will transfer its own first round pick in this year's draft and its own second round pick in the 2023 NHL draft to Buffalo. Buffalo will then transfer its own third round pick in the 2023 airtel draft to Vegas. Now, if Vegas' first round draft pick in this year's draft 
is a top 10 pick for the draft lottery, then Vegas will transfer its own first round pick in the 2023 NHL draft and its own second round pick in the 2024 NHL draft to Buffalo. And then Buffalo in turn will transfer its own third round pick in the 2024 NHL draft to Vegas. Are that or is it just numbers? Yeah. Most of these dra these draft draft pick situations, they are I mean I think Yeah, that's just a load of numbers, isn't it? So it's they get this pick in that round in that particular year, but not but unless it's done that year, no. Yeah. So basically what I can show on that is it's gonna be more first round picks to Buffalo and a couple of third round picks going to Vegas. So that's the way I can interpret it. Uh, whether that's going to be in this year's draft at the end of the season in Montreal, or whether it's the following year, or the following year after that draft. <laughs> uh, we, we will have to wait, uh, we will have to obviously do uh, wait and, um, and see. But yeah. So, was I surprised at the final two for the top? Um, no. Probably not. I mean, this is what Vegas does now. Vegas is a team that basically tries to sniff out um, potential top picks from top players from teams that they want to trade. They try, they try to sniff them out. And if they, you know, if they think they can guess, guess them, they'll reel them in. And once they've reeled them in, they'll then ink them. Now, I don't think Eichel has been inked yet, but that's because he's yet to play again because he's still going through surgery. And I don't think we're expected to see him until after the Olympic break. That's not definite, but I think he is possibly a potentially ruled out now to potentially maybe go to the Olympics. So, chances are we probably are going to see until way after the Olympic, the Olympic break. That's not for definite, don't quote me on it, but that's just why I think it's probably going to be more likely um so maybe Vegas are probably going to wait and see how he does in a golden knight's uniform before they think right should we should we ink should we ink him or not um yeah this is what Vegas does um so i was not surprised they were in the final two um but apart from i think it might go calgary because i think it'll benefit calgary more is going to benefit vegas if, if he if he'd gone to calgary he would have benefited a lot more. We would, we would, we would, we would know he was in Calgary, but because he's now got to Vegas, I think unless he can do what he's done in Buffalo, you're hardly gonna know he's there. You go hard. It will be like Alex Petrangelo. Like, well, we know he's there somewhere. It's just um, he's not really uh, lighting up the lamp or doing anything really worthy to remind us that he actually did get traded to to the um the Nevada Rascals. Ooh, that sounds good. Nevada Rascals. Because they are. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, so. Um, a bit for me. Before, just to conclude this um, this first segment of the Westwatch. What I think the main thing to keep in eye on for this trade is. Is. Is it going to give Vegas more cap issues? Because as I mentioned, they got rid of their cap issues during the off-season. They had to make some very, very tough choices. I know, Vegas and tough choices. Who knew? Who 
knew that would happen to Vegas? Oh my god, not the precious golden boys. Not the league's golden child. Whoa, when, what have they got to do that's such a harsh call? Well, happened. That's because it's of their own making. Um, they had a lot of cap issues. They got rid of them in the off-season by making those tough calls. Like I said, getting rid of not just your start number one netminer, but the face of their franchise. That went. Um, so, they've already freed up the cap space. But now, I just wonder with this trade, have they now brought the cap space back? And it's like, I know this is Vegas' fifth year now, but do you, do you not get how cap space works? I mean, I barely understand it, but I do know you can only go a certain amount before you hit the cap space and then you've got problems. Oh dear. Yeah, so that's my, so that's my only concern with this trade. Of course, my concern for Jack Eichel, but this, but this is my concern for Vegas, is that having just got rid of loaded your cap issues, are you now bringing them back to its ugly head by... Having sidejack Eichel and potentially, if he does well for you or not, potentially maybe inking him to a good, healthy contract if you think he does well and could be a fit for uh, your team. So, like I said, with last year's big, big fish um, for Vegas, Alex Petrangelo, the moment they got, they got him. So, this so the moment they reeled him in. They got. They inked him to a seven-year deal before the pot even dropped. Now, Osman like is going for an injury, so Vegas can't really do that yet. They might want to. They might think, "Oh, he's probably good, mate. He's got he's got lots of time left. Left, you know. We can maybe maybe we can maybe we could maybe we could. They might want to do that. They might be on their seats going, "Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we do it? Can we get the rubber stamp out? Can we get the stamp out again? Can we do it? They might might be itching to do that. Um. <laughs> Hopefully you might have <laughs> noticed my little demonstration there in the audio. <laughs> I was rocking on my chair to, to show the eagerness that Knight's that office probably thinking. <laughs> they might be desperate to do that, they might want to do it, but they kind of, but they kind of have to sort of mm, play cautiously, have to sort of wait to see how he is first, because obviously he's, not, he's still got to go for surgery. They wait for how that goes first. See what he does when he does get on the eyes, and then maybe. So maybe it would not surprise me if uh, during this season off season we get to it. It would not surprise me if one of the big talk abouts we have is oh look, Jack Eichel's been inked Vegas on a seven stretch, possibly. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah. Oh dear. Mm. But at least Buffalo just bring them in. At least Buffalo can now relax now and go. Okay, it's 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 done. It's happened. Cause it's been it's been dangling over their heads for quite a while. Cause it's happened. Cause we got worthy water trade during the off season. Buffalo couldn't get everything sorted, and it's taken to November to buy get the, the trade done. So Buffalo can now sort of relax now. They can now just not have to worry about that. You know, sort of dangling over their heads. They can. You know, it's happened, deal with it, you can now move on and focus um, on their season. And that's so, so, Jack Eichel's no longer Buffalo's problem, he's now Vegas's. <laughs> I know what a problem he's gonna cause.
In other news, the Chicago Blackhawks' woes continue as they have now relieved Jeremy Colton of his coaching duties. Assistant coaches Sheldon Brook, Bank, Thomas Mitchell were also relieved their duties as well, with Derek King set to take over as the interim head coach. My oh my oh my. When I saw this, I was absolutely gobsmacked because I thought, what are you, really Chicago? Really? Chicago, really? Because, okay, I know a lot of Blackhawks fans could argue that we have not had it great this year. We had one of our worst starts in franchise history. And I could go, yeah, but. You had that fantastic dynasty in the tens decade that's just gone. So, tit for tat, you know, it's you know it's time to us. As a blessed face, the Blackhawks have really not been up to scratch ever since that shock first round sweep to Nashville in the 2017 playoffs. No one saw it coming. Um, I think a lot of people probably would have predicted Chicago was ready to put a third, no, fourth cut, sorry, to their tally that year. It would not have been surprised. No surprise. Um, we got sweat, and since then they haven't really been um the same. When did when did when did Colton come in? He came in during the eighteen nineteen season. He was he was their coach for when they hosted Boston in the Winter Classic. Um, and then he's been with the well up until um quite recently. Um, and. I remember when he was first announced as the, as the new coach for the Blackhawks. I was thinking, wow, that's a bold move because he's very, very young. In fact, was he about 32 at the time? I'm going to just quickly look this up. He was quite very young. I mean, you'd think at his age he still, um, could still be a player. Um, but no, he... He, uh... Was... Oh, let me just double check it. Let me look up. Da, da, da. One sec. Mm. 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 Yeah, I think yeah, I think he was thirty two. He was thirty two. Um, at the time, he came in. On November the 6th, um, taking over from um, Joel Quimble, and he made his de coach debut in a 4 3 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes on what was my birthday? What, my 22nd birthday? November the 8th. Um, oh, it's interesting. So, exactly three years to the day he was hired, he gets fired. It was November the 6th, 2018, he got the job. It was moving the sixth twenty twenty one. He got the boot, um, but he really hasn't really been given that much time really to develop a coach because he's not really had like a full, a, pr a proper full length NHL uh, season. Because he came in one month into the start of the eight of the eighteen nineties. He came in November eighteen so he only had about six of the seven month season months of that season. Then obviously 1920 was abbreviated and he did get the Blackhawks back into the playoffs and the tournament in a moment. And nineteen twenty was abbreviated. Last year you could call his was his first 
four years of coach, but that was only 56 games compared to Lenore 82. And this year he only got one month in before being let go. Um. So yeah, so I don't think really he's had that much opportunity um, or been given a chance to really show us what he can do as a coach. Whether that's the age thing, because he was quite, he's he still quite young. He's, he's currently, at the time I call this podcast, he's currently 36. So he'll be, so he'll be 37 in 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 January. Yes, but he'll be 37 in January. Uh, so still quite young, and that still would be playing, still be able to play there. Um, so I, I don't think it's gonna be, this is going to be the last we're going to be seeing of Jeremy Coles. I think he will get snapped up by um, another team. Because I really did, I did like um, the, the Blackhawks under his tenor. I thought, I thought I saw some really good things from the Blackhawks under I felt like they were starting to turn a corner. It felt like there was like something new here that could be exciting. And let's not forget, he did get the Blackhawks back into the playoffs in 2020. Now, yes, 2020 was not your standard playoff year. And of course, yes, we could argue the Blackhawks got in on the technicality that the qualification method used was conference not division because if you remember the initial rumor was it was going to be the top six in the division based on points percentage was going to qualify you'd have the first and second seed fight for the division and everyone else to fight for the remaining spots now if that had happened which i would have loved to have seen but if that had happened the blackhawks would not have qualified because i mean they were finishing seventh but because the league for the, for the bubbles the return to play scheme went Conference over division. We know that much they have a conference. So because they went conference, that meant everybody in the central division qualified. Because when you looked at the points percentage standings, they did a lot better than the majority of the division teams. Um, yeah, and they they won their qualifying round over Edmonton, and then ultimately lost in the first round to Vegas. It was five games, although really. I think the Blackhawks were lucky to have got a fifth game there because I think if they had not won, was it game three or was it four? It was one of those two, but they had not won that. I think that easily could have been a sweep for Vegas. Um, but yeah, so so he did get them, despite all the woes that happened, he did get them back into a player spot. And if we go back to last season, the Blackhawks for the first half of last season were challenging. The central division last year was really, really exciting last year. Because you had Carolina out of nowhere doing well. You had the Floridians jostling to try and get in for various different reasons. You had Nashville, who always likes to, to challenge. You would expect to be Lennox. And then you had Chicago. So really last year's central division, there was only really five teams I felt were competing for a player spot. Um... Which were, of course, the four that did get the spots in the Central. So, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Florida, Nashville, and then, of course, Chicago. It was to call a job between Chicago and Nashville for that final spot. Um, and I think it was probably around, around ooh, maybe March of last year. So, March time last year. That, I think, is when the, with the wheels started to fall off. 
for, for the Blackhawks, and that is when it all fell apart. And Nashville capitalised on their chances. Chicago couldn't, and after that, there's no, no way back. Um, where did Chicago finish last year in the division? Because um, in the end, I don't think they even came close to qualifying last year. Let me just quickly look it up. Let me have a quick look. Um, it was. Let me see. No, I think it came quite. It was. Oh, so they ended up, no, so they ended up finishing sixth in the division last year. Oh, so who came fifth? Was it Dallas? Oh, it was, da oh, it was Dallas. Uh, yeah, Dallas got 60 points to finish fifth, four behind Nashville. The, Chicago, the Blackhawks have. 50, finished with 55 points, so they were 9 points behind Nashville. So, close, if you look at that, that's close. And actually, if you look at the records, the Blackhawks got one more win than the Stars did in regulation last year, but, uh, sorry, no, not regulation, the Blackhawks got more wins as, as a total last, last year. Sorry, I keep, oh God, this time. It would be so much easier if we did it AHL Star to top the records. Um, Blackhawks last year they got one more win in total over the Stars, but when you combine their OT and regulation losses together, the Blackhawks had more of those than the Stars did. I'm not going to try and do the math. Okay, because it's not even worth doing. I'm not going to dare try. <laughs> but yeah, but I felt under Jeremy content I think I saw some really good things from the Blackhawks. Um, he's relatively young, um, so. He, so, I felt as time goes on, he could have been better as a coach, learn to the coach, and the players also learn from him. Because um, most coaches these days, they are in sort of their uh, um, uh, late 40s, early 50s. So, it's kind of nice to see some young blood for a change, you know, behind the benches, you know. Being able to, you know, give that experience on Because he actually he used to be a player for a coach, so he could give that fresh experience there. Um... Yeah, so I think this was a bad move to make on Chicago's part. Um, particularly how this was only one month into the season. If this happens more like the Jan January, February points, and before we went to Beijing, okay, that might be more plausible because we've had enough games on the test in the bank to the play to make a decision. Not at least one month in, especially since Chicago's not got enough drama to deal with, which we're not even going to go there. No, we're not. We're not going there. Um, I think this is a decision that Chicago probably will regret. Do I think they may now be able to turn things around following um, Colson's dismissal? Nope. I think. That, I mean, if you look at that division, Chicago very well knows. Since they used to dominate it, there is no way you're getting around St. Louis. There's no way you're getting around Nashville. There's absolutely no way you're getting around Winnipeg. Um, and we've got Minnesota as, as a surprise package this year. So, really, you're going to be lucky if you can get past uh, Dallas. Because let's face it, poor, 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 poor Arizona are going to be ending up last division this year. So, the Blackhawks, they'll be lucky they can get any higher than six. A generous fifth, but nowhere further than that. Um, so, I think that was a bad move, Chicago. Bad, bad move. Um, I would not be surprised if this is not the last we have seen of Jeremy Colson. Hey, I wouldn't even mind having him by the Sharks bench. I mean, we all could do with some fresh young blood there. 
But uh, uh, bad move, Chicago. Bad move. And finally, the Los Angeles Kings. Yes, in a terrible first. Because I don't think we've ever in history in the middle section. I don't think we've ever had the same team on two editions in a row. But that is sort of the beauty now of this now being the West Watch rather than the Pacific Watch. Because the Pacific Watch, which used to be we dedicated to one team per show. Now being the West Watch, we cover all our Western Combat opponents. It means we can have more segments, which we are doing. And we can maybe, it might possibly that some teams that have been on the previous set come back on the book. Because they give us something just even more juicy. And oh my, was I cackling myself with laughter. When I heard this, oh my god. So, the King's home has been known as Staples Centre forever, okay? Ever since it was opened um, way back in, what was it? Was it the 90s? Yeah, so, way, so Staples Centre, uh, ever since it opened its doors back in 1999, it has been known as the Staples Centre. It's quite iconic. Wow. Can you believe it? But it will be no longer known as Staples Centre. Oh my, I know. I could not believe this. I mean, I think the Air Kings would be the last team you'd think would want to rename their, their home. And the timing's a bit odd too, because this is not, because this is something I first, well, first I had, I thought, right, okay, this must be happening next season. Nope, it's going to be happening during this season. Okay, so you think, hmm, maybe she'll have done the bikini year? No, no, no. Okay, right, fair enough. Okay, so. So, on Christmas, December 25th, this year. So, oh my. So, on Christmas Day, 2021, for the LA Kings, they will rename the Staples Centre to, wait for it, the Crypto.com Arena. <laughs> I'll let that sink in because I'm making it all thinking now. What? <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> oh. And I literally already pounced. I was like, well, so. We're now going to make our, 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 our visit to the Krypton Factor. <laughs> oh, no, you're not going to forget that. It was a it was a game show that we had here, um, here in 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 England. It was it was it's, it's quite an old game show. Let me just quickly look it up for you. Um, it was it was on way before I was born. It was uh, it originated in the. Uh, hold on there. Yeah, it originated in the 1970s. It was 1977, um, all the way to 1995, so basically a year before I was born. And then it had a little brief revival in 2009, but it only ran for a year. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it used to be a, ga um, a, a game show we had here in, in England. But <laughs> that's what I'm getting referring to right now. Why? Why would you do this? I mean, we know we have seen teams over the years change. Name rights, because the, the lease runs out, they have to go for a new one. But for, uh, for, a, for a stadium as, as iconic as Staples Center is, why would you do this? And also, the time it too, that basically for LA Kings fans is going to be like basically saying, Here, you've got coal in your stockings. 
instead of that expensive piece of jewellery you wanted, you know? <laughs> and um, we're going to be calling it this for quite some time because the deal um, with Crypto.com is a 20-year naming right, so oh my bloody god. Oh no. So unfortunately, LA Kings, you're stuck with that. Um, for uh, a quite a long time. Oh dear. Okay, so Crypto.com is one of the world's fastest. Because I'm on the King's site here to try and look it up. So the so Crypto.com is one of the world's fastest growing um, cryptocurrency platforms. Um, ooh, does that mean the King's going to follow us and go cryptocurrency? Because mentioned that. Um. Um, and so, not only is it going to now be the official name for the king's home, they're also going to. Um, it also will make Crypto.com an official cryptocurrency platform partner of the LA Kings. Aha! And to kick off partnership, they're going to be unveiling a new logo, another branding assets, including internal arena style of the newly named Crypto.com <laughs> on Christmas Day! <laughs> Happy Christmas! <laughs> um, oh, it's gonna be wonderful for us Sharks fans going going next. We don't go in there until about March. Our first game at what would now be the Krypton Factor is not until um March. But the Kings first. Actually, let's look this up quickly. So, the Kings' final game. As Staples Centre will be on December the 22nd when they will host the Emerson Oilers. So that'll be the last game where it's known as Staples Centre. Then the King's first game in the Krypton Factor will be on <laughs> December the 28th when they will host Vegas. Um, and also close out 2021 in the Krypton Factor on the, on. New Year's Eve, Eve, so that's December the thirtieth, when they will host the back dogs. <laughs> oh dear, Kings fans. Oh, twenty years—that's a long time to have this um, naming right. That really is quite, quite, quite lengthy. But I just literally was like, "Oh, what have you done?" <laughs> I mean, Stable Center is so iconic. You know, it's been an iconic name. Yeah, for so many years. I can remember watching SRC with a chance where they went to Stable Center and you saw that I saw the, the outside of it, you know. Why would you do that with something so iconic? I just don't get it. But I think the type of it is absolutely hilarious. Oh So it's not just gonna be me who's gonna have another happy Christmas then, is it? Is it? Mm, 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 mm. No! <laughs> oh, so, just in case for you sharks, if you're not, if you're not, um, if you have forgotten when we do visit LA for the first time, I'll look it up for you now, just to make sure it's, um, because obviously now it's gonna be one to circle in your diaries. <laughs> it's not so. It's not till way after, um, Beijing, so we don't go during the Olympics. Uh, yeah, so it's not, 
So our first visit to the Crypton Factor will be on March the 10th. And then exactly one week later, we'll have our second visit on March the 17th. Um, in fact, we're going to see the Kings three times in March, quite close to each other. The first will be in their bar on the 10th, then they'll come to our bar on the 12th, and then we go back to their bar on the 17th. Now, I can't remember, do we play them another time, or is it just three this year? Can I just quickly double-check that? I'll just quickly double-check. Alright, because with the new Matrix, it's hard to tell who you're not playing for three. Oh, it's just three times. So just three times this year we see the Kings. So they will about post, we just see three times this year in the division. Just three. Okay. So March the 10th, my third Teal Town Citizens. Mark that in your diaries. First visit to the Crimson Factor. <laughs> oh, that's a perfect way to finish this month's edition of the West Watch. Okay, then it's time for Kuda Corner. Oh, bit more. Then, hey, you get my drift. Um, yeah, been a real bad month for the Barracuda. I mean, they really had struggled, uh, you know, this month. Um, should we just go straight into it? Uh, it's it's not pretty, but uh, hey, we're just gonna do our best. Um. Yeah, we're just gonna go for it. Um, so we began the month with okay. So we began with our first visit. Uh, was it two? Stopped. Uh, oh, hold on. Our first visit. Yes, it was our first visit to Stockton. Stockton. Oh no, had our first visit from Stockton. Um, in over six hundred. Three days, because I remember, of course, last year Stockton was in that last minute move to Calgary. Because uh, obviously, uh, carrying all that. Okay, so remember the. F so this was November. The oh, I need to get the dates up right for you. There you go. So remember the first, uh, first meeting between the corner and the heat in over six hundred three days. Not a great way to start the month. Um, as a sure-handed Barracuda allowed three goals in the first period alone uh, and could just not dig themselves out, just falling 4-1 to Stockton. There's been a lot of 4-1 scorelines in November, both the Sharks and the Cuda. Not all of them have been good. Uh, Gilroy native Dustin Wolf uh, turned inside 23 of 24 shots he faced to earn his third win of the year, while Laxey Murchuk Suffered the loss, like four goals on 28 shots. Scott Reading, uh, then his team in third goal of the year, and now has three goals in three of his last four games. Colin Moore collected his first assist as a member of the Barracuda on Reedy's goal in his season debut, while Andrew Brzuska picked up a pair of goals in the win and now has five tallies over his last two games. For the Duck, Andy Wolenski finished with a pair of assists. While Martin Horsley racked up a goal and has an assist in the victory. Barracuda and Heat obviously going next feature on the 7th 29th at SAV Centre, so it's still a while to go before we go back to Stockton for a little while. Okay, let's go for the post game summary. So, the last goal is so your Barracuda. Reedy got his third of the year, while for the Heat, 
Rosiska 5th of the year, Philip 3rd of the year, and then Rosiska is 2nd of the game, so it's about 6th of the year, and Hospital 2nd of the year. Shots on goal, Barracuda 24, Heat 28. Both teams, a bit similar to our last month's crew call, a lot of both teams in each game kept getting the same amount of penalty minutes. That's how this game too, both teams had 4 power opportunities. The Kuna failed to capitalise on any of theirs, while the Heat got power play goals on 2 of the 4, so that meant both teams had 21 penalty minutes each. Okay, so we then move on to November the 6th for the, back, for the, for the first back-to-back -back of the month. Against the Texas Stars, we saw a fair bit last year. Oh my, seven, oh god. Oh, remember the sixth. Not one to remember. Uh, again, Sean and Saturday, Maracuda allowed a seven, a season high, sorry, a season high seven goals on Saturday night against the Texas Stars. Um, It was the first meeting between the two teams on this four-game season. So they're going to see Texas four times this season. The first two came here in the month of November. So now Gregor had a career-high three points, got one goal, two assists, after coming off the AHL's COVID-19 protocol, and now leaves the team with seven points in five games. He also extended his goal streak to three and his point streak to four. Texas' Nicola Camono was a plus four and netted one goal, and two assists with three points, and now has four points in nine games. Uh, stars Frederick Harlstrom also tied a goal, which was the game winner, and chipped in with two assists. He has five points in nine games played. Despite being outshot 30 to 19, the Barracuda played Stars goal goalie Jake Gnitta. Oleg Nigga, sorry, I'm not going to pronounce his name. With three goals, one coming off the power play. <laughs> I forgot to start the minute of the post summary. Zachary Amon made his extra debut in relief in the third period. Twenty-one goals caught up from Orlando on Tuesday. While Jaden has scored on the power play and now co leads the team with three goals. Mark out scored the first goal in the Barracuda uniform, snapping a 15 game goalless drought. Which goes to the post game summary. Right, oh, here we go, the goal scorers. Right, here we go. For your oh, Barracuda, Gregor, third of the year. House Knotch, third of the year, out first of the year. And then the stars, let's just go through them. Morgan, third of the year. Cameron, second of the year. Melek, second of the year. Karlstrom, second of the year. Trufte, fourth of the year. Petrovic, first of the year. And Mackenzie, second of the year. Shots on goal, Barracuda, 19. Stars 30. Again! Penalty minutes exactly the same! Both teams had two power opportunities and both teams got one power play goal on those two opportunities, which meant both teams had four penalty minutes each. Now, as mentioned, this was a back to back, so I'm now remember the seven, we've seen them again. And oh my, what a heart attacker. The Barracuda wrapped up its four game homes down with a season high. So after a seven high. So, sorry. Okay, talking about it. After a season high goals conceded, they bore it up the next day, literally 12 hours later, with a season high scoring seven goals and a seven five win over the Texas Stars. Oh my! So, here we go. Are you ready? Barracuda and Stars combined for a season high six total opening period goals, finishing just one goal shy 
of the most ever combined in the game in Barracuda history, franchise history. Barracuda's seven goals and three party goals marked season highs. Jake McGrew tied twice for the first multi-goal of the game of his HL career. Barracuda led four different ties in that game, which featured six lead changes. That's right, you heard me. Six. Rookie goaltender Zachary Emmer made his first career HL start and got his first career win. Tigers had 28 of 33 shots he faced. Joachim Blinchfield matching his career high in points uh, and now has five points in six games played so far this season. No, Gregor has an assist, extending his point streak to five and continues to lead the team in scoring. And Dean Howard in the la- lit the lamp in the first for his first eight hole goal of his career. Okay, post game summary. And finally, we've got a split of the party minutes. But let's get to the goal scorers first. Here we go. Barracuda goal scorers. McGrew, first of the year. Hammerluck, first of the year. Shursky, first of the year. Blickfield, first of the year. McGrew, second of the year. Keltman, first of the year. And Wingnut, first of the year. So everyone except for McGrew got their first goal of the season. But it's good for them. We need to have more clear players to get their first goal of the season. Just get them on the board. Right. Stars goal scorers back for his third of the year. Lesperon, I pronounced that wrong, surely, for his property year. Mackenzie for his third year. Tough day for his fifth year and back for his third year. Shots on goal. Barracuda 31. Stars 33. The Barracuda, wait for it, had eight power play opportunities. That's why you heard it right. Eight power play opportunities in this game and they capitalised on three. The Stars had only three power play opportunities. So, but they capitalised on world though. So that was the pair minutes were Barracuda had six pair minutes, Texas Stars sixteen pair minutes. Oh, what, what a highlight roll that got to be! If I was doing high and low points for the Barracuda, I'd pick that as the high point. Right, okay. So now it's time for some history to be made because on November twelfth, it was time for the first ever visit to the Abbotsford Canucks. Have I pronounced that right? Oh my god. Ever since I did a teleport bid on my thoughts of the whole uh, Omega of the, of the brand, babe, I've been struggling to say Abbotsford. I, re- I really have. I really have been struggling. So you hear me pronounce it wrongly, Canuck, uh, Abby Canucks fans. I do apologise. But it's been proved to be quite a mouthful. It's more mouthful than Coachella Baddy Firebirds. No? It's been mouthful. But anyway. Coachella's next year. Let's focus right now on this month, okay? Right, November 12th, 2021. History in the making. First visit to Abbotsford. Not one for the history books. Another seven game scoring for one side. Not for Yakuda, as they were basically... They fell behind that first period at the, at the Abbotsford centre by three goals and just could never dig themselves out of that hole falling 7-1 to the Abbotsford Canucks. I'm trying to make trying to make very hard to make sure I'm saying because otherwise it's gonna go over the place. Okay. How am I doing? We're doing well? It's got another one a bit. Zachary Edmund took the loss, allowing three goals on five shots in six minutes and two seconds of action. Then Alexi Merlinchuk worked the rest of the game, allowing four goals and twenty-one shots. Michael Di Petro earned the win by stopping twenty-eight of the twenty-nine shots he faced. Scott Regina his 13th leading fourth goal and the team leading second power play goal at 18.30 the first. And that would be all she wrote for the Barracuda. 
The next forward shared an RA finished with 4 points and a plus 5 rating. And Canucks forward. I'm not going to try and say Abbotsford. I'm just going to go Canucks forward. Canucks forward Phil DiGiuseppe collected 4 assists and a plus 4 rating. Canucks defenseman Jet Woof collected 3 points and a plus 3 rest rating. Thank God he's not a Baker's player, otherwise, he'd be whooping him left, right, and centre. And for a rain forward, Sheldon Park collected a pair of goals and finished with a team high five shots and a plus five four rating. Uh, Barracuda went on the power play a season high nine times! Wow! Nine times! And they only got one. And they finished two for four on the penalty kill and have now given up a power play goal in each and every game this season. That trend has got to snap. That has got to snap, that trend. Right, post-game summary is not going to be pretty. Barracuda scorers, Reedy for his fourth of the year. Can Abby Canuck scorers. Repel, second of the year. Woo! First of the year. Look! Sorry, I couldn't resist to read that. Lockwood, first of the year. Arsenal! Oh, that's not a pretty name. First of the year. I'm sure this is not how you pronounce them. Drea, sixth of the year. Rempel, third of the year. And Rubbershot, first of the year. Shots on goal, 20 for the Barracuda, 28 for the Canucks. Power opportunities, Nat, one for nine with the Barracuda, while the Canucks were two for four. That meant the Barracuda had eight penalty minutes. The Canucks had 18 penalty minutes. Oh my word, what a high. That was some penalty opportunities with Power opportunities for the Barracuda. Oh, the Canucks ones. Right. For Team of the Member and the Shakura would get their first ever win over the Barrett Abbotsford Canucks! But, they did fight for a pair of one goal deficits though, but they did manage to come back twice before winning in the shootout over the Abbey Canucks. And then I'm just going to keep saying Abbey Canucks, I can pronounce that. Uh, give, me give me five years time and I'll be able to say it, I will be able to say it, alright. Alright, after the win, the Barracuda are now 3 for 4 when training after 40 minutes of play in this season. In the third, the Barracuda outshot the Canucks 13 to 1 and managed to level the game at 2 2 on a Noah Gregor goal. Uh, for him, uh, who missed Friday's game, the tally extends his point streak to a career best of 6 games. Alexi Mirchuk made 20 saves between 3 overtime, uh, in overtime sorry, and turned all five shoots aside in the shootout to earn his second win of the year. Michael DiPatro suffered the loss despite making 37 saves, earning second star honours in that game. Ivan Wengnitz notched his second goal of the year and second game over the last three games. Saskia Sharlowski scored the only goal of the shootout in the top of the fifth round is now 1 for 2 in shootouts. That shootout winner was the Barracuda's first since, wait for it, March the 10th, 2019, where they snapped the four-game losing streak in shootouts. The team's last road shootout was March, sorry, not March, was, sorry, was February the 22nd, 2019 at Iowa. Oh, those are the days we used to go and see Iowa. Now it's Texas. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say who that was winning was over March the 10th. Can I have a quick look? Uh, it said it was the February one, but it didn't say it was on the March one. But just quickly go that up. I want to know who that was. I like to give you the full detail. Um, 
Let's have a look. See if we can see if we can find out. Uh, here we go. Let's have a look. So it was March the tenth, was it? So March the tenth. Ah, it was that Saturday. It was Saturday. It was the heat. So there we go. So yeah. So there we go. So that. Yeah, so I'll just figure that. So that shootout win was the first for the Barracuda since March the 10th against Stockton, uh, snapping a four game losing three in shootouts. And the team's last row shootout win was in February 22nd, 2019 at Iowa in the same season. And they went a perfect six for six on the party kill! First time of season which the Barracuda has not surrendered a goal on the party kill. Way to go, team. Keep that up. Let's have your post game story. So, you've got Barracuda scorers, Wayne his second of the year, Gregor his fourth of the year, and then has the game-winning goal in the shutout. The Kalak scorers, Wouters, first of the year, and Luka Bershkodos, second of the year. Shots on goal, 22 for Barracuda, 40 for the Canucks. Uh, the Barracuda, no team actually got, got a power play goal, so the Barracuda was 0 for 4 on their power play of GTs, the Canucks were 0 for 6. It says 10 minutes, that's 26 for Akuda, 34 D Canucks. Right, let's see the Abbey Canucks behind. We'll see them again soon. Because obviously they still got to come to San Jose for the first time. Right, so from the newbies to a team that had our number last year, Bakersfield, oh, on the moment of 17. The defending Pacific cha Division champions, yes, that's right, Henderson, it's not you, it's Bakersfield. All right. Just remember that, yep, Bakersfield won, yes, we did an episode on it, so you can, we did, oh, we did, oh, covering all your shame, you can never listen to that, for our specials on season three, but it's Bakersfield, yes, it's Bakersfield, who are the reigning Pacific Division champions, let me start one more time, Barracuda, number 17, first biz match against the defending Pacific Division champions, Bakersfield Condors, and they came back for an early two goal stage, for the win, come on! I'm just so giggy because it's been quite a while since we've managed to get one over Baker's Bowl. It really has. So now Gregor extends his point streak to a career best seven games, making not his first three assist games of his career. Carlos forward Seth Griffin also extended his points tally to 13 games, which matches Baker's Bowl's franchise record. He's now got 17 points in 13 games played this season. Joachim Blitzfeld led his seventh career multi-goal game, scoring twice on the man advantage, and now leads the Barracuda on the power play goals. They also made two power play goals and now own a 23.9% power play, which is now fourth best in the league. Scott Reedy erased a two-goal deficit with back-to-back -back goals, marking his first two-goal game in his career and second three-point effort. He now leads the Barracuda in goals. After going 3 for 3 on the penalty kill on Wednesday, the Barracuda have now killed off its last 9 on the penalty kill over the last 2 games after giving up a half head goal in the all 8 prior. Zachary Zalashko returned to the crease after missing time due to COVID-19 protocols and got the sec his second win of the season. He's made 28 saves on 31 shots. Your post-game thoughts. And unfortunately, we don't have the post-game summary for you for this one, so that's all she wrote. There, yes, so unfortunately, no game summary there, but we've come much over there, right? And after that, it would be four in a row against the goals. 
I'm hoping we're going to have some more games going to San Diego this year, because I don't think that'll be it. Right, remember the 20th? First one against the goals in this four-game stand. The first two in San Jose, the second two are going to be in San Diego. Um, so here we go, remember the, so remember the 19th, remember the 19th. First, the Barracuda decides for 3-0 home on that game against the goals, and despite scoring three ties, the second... This could not manage to complete the comeback. Boy, 4-3. Goals for Jacob Perrello extending his points 3-8 to eight games after a two-point night. Uh, the 19-year-old now has got 15 points in 11 games played this season. Nick Merkley scored this return to the lineup with his third goal of the season as well as an assist. He now has 7 points in 5 games played. And after a 3-point night on Wednesday, Scott Reedy stayed hot with a power play goal and now leads the team in goals and co-leads the club in the power play goals. Yeah, he didn't have much collected his second 3-point night of his, own, of his career with a goal and two assists and now averaging a point per game through 11 contests. The back here have now, wait for it, killed 12 straight penalties since November 12th, including going 3 for 3 on Friday. The team also netted another power goal, which ranks the Barracuda at 24.5%. That's second best in the AHL. And we've got the postcase summary. It's back for you guys. Barracuda goal scorers, Merkley third of the year, Reedy seventh of the year, Mark Nutschkut fourth of the year, goal scorers, Rafferty second of the year, Literary fifth of the year, Perello seventh of the year, and Kingdop seventh of the year. Shots on goal, Barracuda 32, goals 30. The Barracuda scored one for three on their part opportunities. The goals were zero for three on theirs. That meant both teams had six per damage each. Six for the Barracuda, six for the goals. So, round one, goals. Round two was the next day. I feel like I should have that bell that you have for the boxing ring, you know, like, ding ding! <laughs> should we do it? Ding ding! Round two! November the 20th. Oh, no win for the goals. Back here in the first with two little hole against the goals, and despite scoring on the power play again, in the second, just couldn't manage to come back again. Scott Reedy has goals in his last three games after notching a power play tally on Saturday and now leads the team in goals. Power play goals and co leads the club in points. Jaden Hasluck had a power play assist and now paces the team in the, uh, that department. He also, he's also running a three game point uh, streak with five points in his last three outings. Hasluck has already surpassed his point and assist totals from last year in 13 fewer games. Ningala's rule on netted a goal and an assist in the first period and now has 9 points in 10 games played this season for the girls. Ole Eriksen Ek What a name that is. second win of the season stopping 32 of 23 shots is now 4-0 against the Barracuda in his career. Alexi Merchat to the loss line 2 goals on 24 shots. Oh, the special teams of the Barracuda this still been on point. A third team straight penalty kill and no power play goal. Seeker Barracuda sit at second in the league on power play percentage at 25%. Here's the post game summary. Goal scorers Barracuda, Ricky for his eighth of the year. The goals, Brawler for his second of the year and Prince for his first of the year. Shots on goal, 23 for the Barracuda, 24 for the goals. The Barracuda converted 1 for 3 in the advantage, while the goals were 0 for 1. That meant in 10 minutes, Barracuda had 4, the goals had 8. So, round 2, 
goes to the goals. Right. Ding ding! Round three! November the 20th! Fourth! Another win for the goals. Now, Bergen stayed out to a 1-1 opening period tie on Friday, but would give up the next four in the final 40, dropping their third contested game to San Diego. Yet, Nadine Havlach extended his power point streak to four games with Saturday's lone goal, and now these two with 13 points. Nicolas Boulard now has got points in four straight as he netted his second goal in as many nights and now has six points in three games this season against the Barracuda. For Barracuda, man Greg Patchland buried his first of the year, which returned out to be the game winning goal. Braden Tracy recorded his first, sorry, recorded the first three point game and first star out on us. Lucas Dostal made 23 saves on 24 shots on route to win. And unfortunately, there's no game summary for you there. So, round three goes to the goals. Now, if round four, I've had a, sorry, I've had a look um, online and we don't have a match report. The Barracuda did not do a match report on this last game. Uh, I just looked, looked at the back, uh, the, uh, on San Diego's to see if they did one. They didn't do one either. So... For our final war of the month, because uh, I'll get on tonight in a moment, I can only give you goals, the final score of the goal scorers. That's all I can really do. Which is probably better, this is probably better than nothing. Yeah, so we'll just go for it, okay? So, let me find it. Because uh, I've got to go on the AHL. So, bear me one uh, second. And I'll get up for you guys. Ah, there we go, got it. Right, okay, I can give you a box. Okay, right, here we go. Remember the 26. Ding ding! Round four. I'll give you the box score. So, after one period of play, it was goals one, Barracuda no score. After two periods of play, it was Barracuda one, goals two. And then the Barracuda got two goals in the third. Sorry, Barracuda got one goal in the third. It's all good. Please, now. Barracuda got one goal in the third. Goals got two goals in the third. So that means the third time it's four back goals, Barracuda two. The Barracuda were 1 for 5 on the man advantage, while the goals were 2 for 4 on the man advantage. Shots on goal, 28 for the Kuda, 26 for the goals. So they, okay, so we were then supposed to play in Ontario on the moment the 27th. However, sadly, um, ice issues in Ontario meant that that game has had to be postponed. Uh, their game against Bakersfield the previous night all had to be postponed as well. So, that'll be a make-up make at some point. But, yeah, not a really great month for the Barracudas. I mean, some very high-scoring games. Um, but, uh, it's just hard. It really is hard. Oh, my God. So, the so I'm, gonna, so I'm just going to work out the record for the Barracudas month. So they had one, so they had one, two, three, oh my god, three, three wins! That can't be right, three wins. One over Texas, one over, one over the Barracuda, one over, one over the Canucks, and one over the Bar the Condors. Wow. Three wins. 
One, two, 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 three. Oh my god. Uh, seven. Seven losses. Three, seven, oh. Three, three seven, oh, oh. Yeah. Because you got those four against the goals. And, you, and then you add on, obviously, a loss to Texas and a loss to uh, Abbotsford and a loss to the Heat. So that's seven losses. So three, seven, one. So three, seven, oh, oh. That's back to the record for the member. Wow, that is a tough stretch. That's a tough, tough stretch. Like I say, it's been it's been a horror for the Barracuda. It really has. That last game in Ontario being postponed doesn't help us either. But yeah, so 3700. That's Barracuda record for the month. A dismal way to end Cooler Corner for this month. It really was. Okay, let's continue to look back on the month of November for your Sharks. And we pick up the second half of the lookbacks by looking at the final game of that Western Conference heavyweight road trip. You know, where we went, we went up against five strong playoff contenders in the four roles in the Flames, Jets, Wild, Avalanche and Blues. How I, as I said earlier in the show, I think only four of them are potential cut contenders. I don't think Minnesota can go all the way. Um, so it's, it's been quite shaky. We finish it off in St. Louis. Yet, yeah, once again, we've not seen Jordan Beerson. We've seen the Blues twice now in the month of November. And both times, they've not put their so-called star netminder, you know, the man that helped them get to the, Sta the Stanley Cup a few years ago. We've not seen him in net yet, you know. And we've only got one more match against the Blues. Um, it will be an SAP centre, but it's not till towards the end of the season. So we're interested to see if that far match, if we do get to see Jordan Marinson against the Sharks this season. It'll be very interesting. All right. But yeah, so November 18th in St. Louis for our one only bit trip to the Enterprise Centre this year. Now, if only that goal for local control had counted, then I feel... This would have been an entirely different game year. You know, the Sharks, they took a big, big step back. They just made too many turnovers in the defensive zone. That could have cost them dearly. This score could be a lot more bigger than it was for the Blues. And they just spend far too much time in their zone. And not enough time pressing the St. Louis net. This is something I felt a lot last year. Because I um, well, we had to go to St. Louis four times. And if you listen back to our CTV episodes last year, you'd have heard me talk a lot. Whenever we talked about the St. Louis game in St. Louis, you talk, heard me bang about how, for most of those games in St. Louis, the Sharks last year, the Sharks spent far too much time in their zone. They were being kept in their zone and not be able to make a break for it. And that really, you know, gave the Blues far too many chances. That's exactly what we saw this game. As they were scoring quick in the, with all their goals. They were quick off the bounce. It was it was something something we saw during their playoff run. You know, the Blues were able to score quick and that just take the sting out. So the first goal and that was four one to the Blues. So finally, it was time to come home. Well, you would some well normally you would say that with some glee, but I don't know if you can tell the term, my boys, a bit mm -hmm. because 
when the schedule came out, and I saw this road trip, stop, not this road trip, this homestand, sorry. When I saw this homestand, I thought, oh my god, you could not have made a more nastier homestand if you tried. Because you kick it off with the Capitals, who are no doubt going to be a favourite um, to, to win the Metro Division, they always do. And potentially cover deep run the postseason. You've got Carolina, who out of nowhere have basically picked up where they left off of last season. They've got this massive hot streak. I mean, they went, what was it, nine, ten games in a row not, without being defeated? So that is the biggest shock of the league right now. And then you've got Ottawa and Toronto. Now, Ottawa, you might look like think, yeah, we can maybe get that one. Toronto is a bit. Bye bye. Let's see. Let's see how it went. So we start the, the home standoff with the Capitals visiting on November the twentieth. Oh my! Now I knew this home standoff. I just mentioned it was going to be ugly, but I didn't think it would be that ugly. What with John Bedard getting some injured um, as the Capitals, it was just too quick for the Sharks. And interesting here, the Caps made most of every score opportunity they got, whilst the Sharks they just lacked offense in and that. You know, for me, they were just starting to slip back into old habits that put them where they were in the first place. And that's what we do not see. So far, it's been great from the turning corner. We don't need to go back to what we were before because that was not working. It was a disastrous night. 4-0 loss in the hands of the Capitals. There. Right. November 22nd. Carolina in town. Oh, my word. Literally, um, if we go back to, uh, to the last time the Sharks would have played Carolina, so that would be the 1920 season. You would love this thing. Yeah, it's all right. I might get something out of that. Fast forward now, 2022. You're thinking, oh my god, who are you? And what you done with the Carolina Hurricanes? Generally, I did not predict this coming from Carolina to be where they are now. Um, well, I didn't really put much money, much money on them last year, winning the Central Division last year. I mean, it was a, last year, you know, because obviously the temporary lineman last year, or the bubble division, bubble divisions. Uh, Carolina in the Central, they did not win the Central, and could have maybe got a lot further if they hadn't come against Tampa Bay in the, in the Central Division Final. And it just kind of feels like Carolina picked up where they'd left off. Because, they technically are the... They technically are the only division champion from last year that's def defending a division title. Because last year the central was still with the division still in play. It just had a bit of mixed match with terms of teams. So technically, Kala are technically the defending central division champions, but they will relinquish that at the end of the season to one of the central division teams. The chances are, well, they still have a division title in the fall of Metro. And so, yeah. So it's, 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 it's weird, it's weird, it's weird, but uh, right. So how is this game fair? Now remember, James Robert did used to play for Carolina. He spent the last two seasons with Hurricanes, and no surprise, he got the start. So how many fair? Well, <laughs> he was impressive here, stopping all but just one of the shots that he had to face from his, his former team. 
We are the most hottest team in the league right now. I know, it's crazy. It's so crazy. Now, after the Hurricanes got an early mark in the second, you know, you think, mm -hmm. The Sharks really had to rally here with that goal by Kevin LeBang, which obviously forced their time. So you think, okay, great. We've managed to get, we've managed to get at least a point from, from Carolina. Not many teams because they've done that this year. Uh, okay. Now, I think this was Carolina's first loss in overtime. So, yeah, that's, that tells you something. Um... So you think, okay, great, okay. But to then get the winning goal, it's just amazing. And that came from Alexander Barbarov uh, to net the winner and basically end the Hurricanes' win streak at four. They were, they were coming on quite a good, win, healthy, healthy win streak going into this one. So it's kind of great to get that in the bag. So 2-1 win on November the 22nd. You know, it's a tie against the Hurricanes, well the highest team, so I don't think we will have heard the last off this year. I do not think we'll have heard the last of Carolina. Right, November 24th, Ottawa's back in town. Now, the last matchup, which mentioned the last episode, I kind of felt had some Stanley Cup final vibes. Both teams are really giving it all. This one was back to plain old sense, because the Texans have now sort of gone back to their old way since that matchup. And the Sharks would win 6-3. But interestingly here, for the first two periods, both teams easily were in a position where they could have got something out of it. This easily could have been another overtime game. As it was quite the goal fest. Um, which saw TMI collect three points. And Three separate Sharks players getting their first goal of the season. But only one of them is the first AXL goal, so we had to do the woo woo once, alright? Let's do the first goal of the seasons first, then we'll do the woo. Right, so the first goal for the seasons were for Matt Niao and Nick Bonino, who he must be relieved to finally get him onto the back, you know. We got him, we acquired him during the off season, you know, hoping for him to make a big, big splash. He's been kept on the, off the board for so long. He's not been able to get a point until that game. And finally gets his first goal of the season. All done to him. And the player got their first NHL goal was Jake Middleton. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Despite, interestingly, despite the fact he's been a part of the organisation since this podcast began in the 1890 season. So, well done for him. Yeah. So, it wasn't really until the third period where the Sharks basically just roared to life. It was a very, very evenly tight game. Um, but yeah, but the Sharks eventually, they scored the last four goals and just never looked back, which was so impressive. So, for a raucous night, this descends to a quiet night against the Maple Leafs on about 26 to finish the homestand. Another 4-1 deficit, 4-1 loss here to Toronto. It was, it was just a quiet night, you know, to end with this nasty homestand for Team Teal. Uh, the Maple Leafs, firepower, I think, just pummeled the, sh that, the Zaze net a bit too much. Um, the Sharks just could not find a way to counter that, you know. And I think maybe three starts to the row was maybe starting to take its toll on James Reimer. Now, the Sharks, they would pick up something as Nick Bonino. For him, it's like buses! He's waiting how long it is to get his first, first point of the season and two come along at once. He was the man that got the lone goal for the Sharks. 
in that game, picked up his second goal and second point two games in a row. So the Ugly Homestand, it's, it's all about even really. If you were to tell me going to that Ugly Homestand that we would go 2-2, two, two, I'd take it. I would take it because you look at the Homestand and you think, right, the only one we really start a chance of is against Ottawa. The rest of it, but the fact we were to come away with points against Carolina, yes, it was a coming behind win, but we still got the points, um, was great, and the Ottawa game was great. So to go two two, I actually guess I'm gonna take it. It might would it would have been nice to maybe go three one, or maybe because it could have been easy could have been one two one. It could have easily been that, but the fact was no, it's two two zero. I'm actually going to take it. Because they were some very, very hot, heavy teams to play. So I'm going to take it. Right. Back on for another Barney Road Trip. Oh, this feels really weird. Because the Barney Road Trip start, uh, end, begins at the end of the month. And it carries on to the next month. It's going to feel really weird. Tell you what i On the next show, I'll have to remind you of those two, to, these two games. Just to be clear. Right. Barney Road Trip. A real Barney Road Trip. Because it starts in Chicago. And then it's back out to the East Coast for the, for the remainder of it. Okay, November 28th. And the Sharks return to the scene of the crime from the 1920 season. Yes, if you remember, Chicago was the location of what ended up being the Sharks' final game of the 1920 season. I remember that one very, very well. Because obviously, I remember watching it the first period. And then the first mission rolled out. And all hell breaks loose. <laughs> so for the Sharks, this was a big night because obviously, you know, it's the first time they played Chicago since the pandemic. Obviously, the first time they come, obviously Chicago was the scene of the um, for what ended up being the last game of the 1920 season. Let's see how I did this time. Right, the minute 28th. It was a shutout win. Two nil. Two nil. I was watching this game. I was just thinking, oh my. The margin of error here was just all so tight in this one for me. Now, there was no question that James Reimer, despite being his fourth start in a row, there was no question, no no arguments here, he was a standout start of this game. And I actually was quite surprised uh, to see that he would be given a fourth start in a row. For me, I would have thought, going into, the, into, the, um, into this road chair, I would have thought, okay... You give A. Hill a start, so he, you know, to, to, to help him get his feet wet again. Give A. Hill a start on this one. Then, depending on what he does in this one, you might want to put him in for the one in New Jersey. Then, the New York doubleheader, maybe you put, so let's say Hill was given the start in New Jersey, then put Ryan for the Islanders, Hill goes back in for the Rangers, and then pick whoever you like for the Blue Jacket. That's how I probably would have done it. But, our coach does know what he's doing. When it comes to the tandem, as long as the tandem's able to work, I'm not going to argue who gets the start, just as long as it's working well. Yeah, so it's great. Uh, but J. Toro absolutely was the stylish one. Um, you know, and Taylor also was a start. Oh, sorry. Um, he stopped James Ryder for, 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 because he stopped all, because I got him in the other shots he faced and stopped. So I meant that perfectly. He managed to stop all 29 of the Blackhawk shots. And the other star, so I was about to mention, was of course Tia Meyer, who got the 
who basically was the lone goal scorer in this game. He got the first goal, which was a beauty behind get, get past our Mon Country Flurry. Um, um, and then the second one was the Antinetta. So basically in that game, Timo Meyer was, was the lone goal scorer. So if you like to fill out score sheets, you probably didn't have much to fill out, did you? Because it was quite a bit of a, a low scoring game. But a quite defensive game. I felt there was more defensive play than offensive play. And, wow. I'm, I think I was surprised this, this, this did not go overtime. Because Blackhawks did keep firing all cylinders, as did we. And you think, oh my god, I remember nice. We're going to be close. But just the relief, it was 2 0. Which is amazing. For me, the dice text, I was like, please keep this a shutout. Please keep it a shutout. Because I was winning it. Because James was doing so well. I was like, he has to get the shutout. He has to get it. And he gets it. Brilliant work. Right. So the last. So now we move on to the eastern portion for the rest of this Barmy Road trip. Which, of course, will continue into the next show. Remember the 30th. We're in New Jersey. And no, they're not wearing their new Jersey jerseys. Let's tell about them the better. Let's tell about them the better. Alright? I'm not going to go there. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, my word. Oh, the 30th. Scoring offence. It's been a bit mm, up and down. But oh, my God, in this game, it roared to life. Oh, my word. This game easily, it was a 5-2 final score for you Sharks. But I thought this game easily could have got into double figures. Easily could have been like 10 or 11 nil, or it could have easily been 8-2, 10-2. This could have got into double figures if the Sharks wanted to. But they didn't. Because they because in the third, they didn't take their foot off the gas, as ESPN's commentators put, put it. Yes, it was ESPN again. But two ESPN games in this month. Oh! May I forgot to mention the start of the first ESPN game of the month. Um, ESPN, they just get their intermissions reports sorted out. So all ESPN doing intermission reports is just basically show other teams' highlights. And I'm like, I just, and they just keep playing them again and again and again. And like, I know what's going on in that game. You just showed me a couple of days ago. No, and plus, for me, I don't want to know the out-of-town scores while I'm watching a game. Whether that's my Sharks game, or it's or I'm watching some of the teams I like if I'm watching, say, an Islanders game, or I'm watching a Ducks game, or I'm watching a Desert Dogs game, or I'm watching the Bruins. Whatever team it is, I don't want to know the out-of-town scores while watching a game, the game I'm watching, because I want to concentrate on that game I'm watching. If I want to know the out-of-town scores, I'll look at it the next day, or, if it's an early start, after the game. Alright? But just focus on the game you're currently broadcasting, and do a proper intermission report. Start showing us other teams' highlights, and also, don't show them during a break-in play! Did you during a break-in play, they checked check to see how the Cats and Panthers are going, and... We missed the face-off the, of the, the, the next the next shift. Don't show them during breaks and play. Honestly, yes. Oh my god. I feel like I've got enough now to basically just rant about ESPN. So I'm going. 
Tell you right now. <coughs> Next year, I plan, at some point in the new year, I plan to do a video on how I felt about ESPN with the NHL. So keep an eye on my YouTube channel for that. So you're not already subscribed to my official George Hunt YouTube Go subscribe now, and then when that video is ready to be published, you will not miss it when it comes out. But then, but I think I've got enough now. It's been very much a wait till the end of the season, but I think I've got enough of abuse of, of now to now think, yeah. Time to rant on ESPN. Right. Anyway, back to the shark game. So, yeah. So, this goes so yeah, to the third period. Yes, the Devils did get two. And, yes, they did put themselves in a position to maybe get back in it. But... What I just love for the Sharks is they just stayed playing smart hockey. They knew at this point the third they had done enough to potentially secure the win. Okay, maybe one more goal is probably needed to, do, to seal it, like it was in the empty netter. But, but, um, but the Sharks didn't need to strike un unless the Devils got within striking distance. And by that, by that they'd have to have gotten... I think for me they would have to have gotten within a goal. So the first goal went into the New Jersey for... Right, okay, it's, it's still 4-1, nothing to worry about yet. And then with the fourth, second game, I thought, right, okay. It's still 4-2, so we've still got a healthy insurance. But, apart me thinking, do we need to now maybe turn the tackle a bit? No, 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 no. And it wasn't until the end of the when I thought, oh, I was never worried. Now, don't awfully say that when there's still a fair amount of time left on the clock, but I was like, oh, no, there was no need to worry at all. But they were just great. They were absolutely great. That scoring defence, it was something we haven't even seen yet. It's like, I was like, when I was watching, I was like, where has this come from? And how do we keep it? Um, so, let me go through some of the goals for you. So, now Gregor's goal that was brought off the draw, but thought that was a beauty to keep things off. Uh, then Team Mike grabbing two goals again. Second game in a row for Team Mike getting two goals. First one appears was on a power play, and then he got the internet to basically, you know, make sure there was never any doubt we're not going to win this one. Uh, the other goal scorers for your Sharks uh, were Jake Milton and Eric Carlson. Um, as the, oh, I just, I just love how they took control of the situation. The Devils were just in complete disarray, especially. With that coach's challenge on the second goal. Devils thought it was offside. But there was no way it was offside. Even I, for once, could tell. Yeah, that's not offside. Because, I mean, offside is quite tricky to tell where it is or where it's not. But it's, but this one of those where even I could go, yeah, that's not offside. That's not offside. We're nowhere near offside. You've just wasted your coach's challenge. And now, because you wasted your coach's challenge, you go into the penalty box. And we've got a chance to get a freebie. And that power play that we saw for the, co for the Devils who's coach tires, that was a real dimer. And, he, and I, he could have easily gone in, but nevertheless. But oh, that was an impressive 5-2 win over the Devils. Just absolutely amazing to end, end things. And that win actually helps our record a bit. Like I said, November has been, it's been good, it's been bad, there's been some ugly moments. Um, Starman was okay. The Western Conference road trip sort of makes you think, oh, it's going to be in the red. We're going to be in the red this month on the record. And the latter end really helped uh, boost things up. I mean, out that win over New Jersey, this would not be a good record. It would be quite even. It would be even playing for. Well, the record of the month for the Sharks were 7, 6 and 1. So it's that 7 wins, 6 losses, 1 OT. 
Right, it's time to hide the lows. I'm going to do the low first because I'm struggling to pick the high. There's too many highs. I'll list them in a moment, but the low point for me it has to be the game against Colorado. Because now I know some of you'll be arguing, but yeah, that was the that was the first game where we where everybody came who was in the Colorado protocol came out of the Colorado protocol. Yes, I can see your argument there. But the sharks just were just were not it just weren't clicking. They were not clicking at all. There was no communication. Just there was just nothing. I just literally as I said, it was one of the very rare times where I literally have said we got what we deserved. I just was just not impressed at all. Like I said, if it had stayed two one uh, for most of it and the average got one more internetter, that I'd be less I'd be less critical. But it wasn't. It was a blur up from the game. So the Sharks game Avalanche against the Avalanche on November the 13th. Uh, that's gonna be the low point. Oh my. What do I pick for the high point? There's far too many. <laughs> Tell you what, here's where I could go. I could go with the with the, um, the member of the ninth in Calgary. I could go with the member of the sixteenth, uh, sorry, against Minnesota. I could even go for the Carolina one on the moment of 20 seconds. Or while the Sharks last two games of the month. Ah! There's too many to choose! Oh my god! Oh, it was been quite a rough month! Oh my god! Help me! Oh, I need to. Oh, I can't, I've got a pick one as well! We can't go, so I picked one! Ah! Okay, right. I'm gonna go with the game on the... Oh, no, no, no. Montrose, just do it! Come on! Oh. You can tell there are good, good things coming from your team when you're struggling to try and pick a high, high point of the month. Um... Right. Okay, I'm gonna go with, and I know that chances are, in a parallel universe, a parallel me is gonna say the exact opposite. You'll probably pick the parallel me will probably pick a completely different one, because uh, I do believe in parallel worlds. So there's a parallel me who, who's gonna probably pick a completely different one. But I'm I'm gonna go. Oh god. Right, I'm gonna go with. It's so a good time we've got the background music now, otherwise this would be dead, dead air. <sighs> right, oh god, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with... I think I'm going to say... I think I am going to say the Calgary game. Because, right, because... It was our first matchup against a division opponent of the season. And it was against a strong opponent. A lot of people probably hadn't picked Calgary. Well, I I kind of saw this going for Calgary. But a lot of other people probably wanted to pick Calgary to do quite well. Um in the start uh the start of the year. Um and this is gonna be quite a tough game. But the fact that we really went to Calgary, so we went to the Flames Bar, and we took their game to them. I just thought it was so impressive. The only down bit was, of course, 
that was a goal for the red for the sea of red. But yeah. So yeah, so I think I'm gonna go with Calgary. Calgary the game against Cal in Calgary on the bottom of the night. That's when I'm gonna pick the high point. But I bet you in a parallel world, a parallel version of me would probably say either the Chicago one or the New Jersey one. Anyway, oh, keep making, keep making this hard for me, sharks, sharks. Keep making it hard for me to pick the high points. Keep making it hard for me because that just shows to me you, you the signs of improvement. Let us know what your thoughts are, listeners. Get in touch with me because you can now. Because uh, unfortunately, actually, I'm going to double quickly double check the mail bag because I don't got anything. Um, again, um, I'm going to give a quick little check so just bear with me one sec i don't think we have got anything yet um i did mention at the start of the show how you can get in touch with me i'll do it again right now in fact if you want to get in touch uh with your thoughts on the sharks season um please do if you got any questions can't promise we'll definitely answer them but we'll give them a good try um Uh, and also, if you got any suggestions for future episodes of Tyroport Biz that we can do, please do send them over because I'd love to see what you, you guys make of them. Um, uh, no, I'm not the mailbag uh, this month. Let me just check all my inbox because you never know. You can end up being in the wrong inbox without <laughs> you knowing. It's a little quick look. Anything? No, not this month. Please do get in touch. It's tillportpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the shark season. Also, as I mentioned, if you've got any questions for me, can't price with Lance, we'll give him a good go. And also, if you've got any suggestions for future editions of the Tillport vids on the YouTube channel, do let me know about them as well. We might. And who knows, if we get enough traction, so if we get enough traffic, we could read them out on the show. I'd love to do a mailbag section where we can just read out your your views for us, but do Steve Beast send them into me, otherwise I can't do it. So it's Tittop, give the email again. I mentioned it at the top of the show, uh, I'll mention it again now. It's teleportpodcast at gmail.com. Get in touch. I would just love to hear from you, my dear listeners. Okay, that's good for today's show. Next time, oh my, you're gonna watch you for the next show because. Alright, ready? It's a live show! Ah, yes! Live show! If you listen to season three last year, we started uh, doing some live shows where we, where I basically go on my YouTube channel and do a whole live stream of the of the show. Um, and also, we also did provide a podcast version of it a couple of days after that. Um, you can go and check out those two shows from last year. It's on my YouTube channel, my first drawing YouTube channel. Um, and, they, uh, and they've got the same episode titles as the, the, the episode of the podcast. So, so it's episode, so it was episode one of season three, so that was live on YouTube, and episode seven of season three, which I believe was, uh, hold on, I think it was Eric Fights, no, sorry, Eric Curtis Bites, Eric Bites, I believe that's what it was called, just double, just double checking. Oh, got the wrong way around. Sorry. So it's so it was episode. So we did one episode one of season three, which was called Live on YouTube, and we did one for episode seven of season three, which was called Curtis Bites, 
Eric Bites. That's what it's called. So they got the exact same name. Um, so the stream's got the exact same name as the podcast version did. Um, uh, so that's it. So obviously, we'll do the same for this one. And I kind of wanted to try and make this an annual thing. But do it at different types of, the types of the year. So like one year, we're going to do it next month. Next season, we might do it at the beginning of the month. Or maybe beginning of the season or the late season. So it's going to change every now and then. So just keep, keep guessing what it's going to be. But it's going to be amazing. So, get subscribing to my official George Hand YouTube channel right now. So you will not miss out when the live sh the, the live show is going to go. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And uh, speaking of Elbag, there'll be... Because obviously we're going to be on YouTube. And we'll, we'll be on a live stream. That means there'll be a live chat available. So if you want to try and get, in, get con uh, contact me that way, do you too. Because I will cause we'll be checking throughout the show. Between, the, between our little breaks between segments so yeah so maybe that might help be a good way to kick start the mailbag you know start with a live chat on, on a youtube live stream and then that might give you guys some confidence to maybe email them um it's gonna be amazing so we'll be looking back on uh the month of december uh which is gonna be a very home sweet home month because we're gonna be high on the road in december um hopefully cool corner will see things turn around for barracuda um we might mention a little earth in the room, we might not. And um we will see who's gonna be joining Nashville on the West Watch. Oh yeah, because Nashville Stadium Series jerseys. They're now out and they are hideous. So that's gonna be one of the features on the West Watch. And we'll see who else is gonna join them. Um but yeah, so and of course my shark is gonna be with me. So that's gonna be great. It's absolutely uh, exciting. Um, it's just going to be amazing, but yeah, so, I cannot wait to do that. So, if you want to get involved, uh, you can do that by the live chat, and that might be how the, how we get our mail badge kicking off, because once you do it the live chat, you might feel a bit more confident and do it by an email. Um, but I'd love to, I would love to one day be able to get, get a mail back, because I mean, I just read your thoughts out, but you've, got, but you've got to contact me in order to do it. So, I'll give you your address one more time, tillportpodcast at gmail.com. But I'm just so excited for our next show because obviously it's going to be the live show. And of course, as I mentioned, as always, we always like to do a couple of days after the show, we do the live show, the podcast page version will be, will be available. So there will still be a podcast available. So that'll be that will come a couple of days after. We'll let, we'll let YouTube you know, do what YouTube needs to do so you can have a repo, so, so you can make a repo of it and then we'll do a podcast of it. But it's going to be so exciting. Can't wait for that. Hopefully, you will be joining me for that but until then all that's left me to say is and so I will leave you now You've been listening to Tear Report, the podcast made by a fan for the fans. Don't forget, you can listen and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Just visit our public page at Anchor.fm to find out where we're distributed. Also, make sure to subscribe to the George Hunt YouTube channel to catch up on all our latest editions of Tear Report Vids. And you can now email us your thoughts on all things that I say, Sharks, at tearreportpodcast at gmail.com. Tear Report, podcast made by a fan for the fans.